morning. Uh, can we just say thank you to my dear friend John McCormick just for all the work he does uh, for Renovation U. Uh, appreciate that a lot. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, as John said, we are nine days away from our groundbreaking uh, ceremony. That is going to be a week from Tuesday night. So if you don't have that on your calendar yet, come. We'd love for you to be there and just celebrate. God's doing crazy stuff. I mean, I just can't even believe this. Uh, it was literally, it, it, it's only literally been 20 months since we had our grand opening of this church. And here we are doing a groundbreaking for uh, phase two expansion. Pretty amazing. Love for you to come to this. We want everyone to, to actually bring a shovel. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do this. We're going to break the ground uh, together because we've been in this together. And I think it's just going to be really fun. Uh, and then uh, we're going to start construction uh, that next morning on May 31st. And then the very first things we'll be doing is knocking down the walls in here. We're going to widen the hallway of the kids' classrooms so it's not so cramped going down that hall. And they're going to be doing a lot of interior work in here. So therefore, once construction begins for the next three and a half months or so, our Sunday services are going to be at North Point Elementary, uh, back where we used to meet, uh, just down the road. And we are going to have uh, great outdoor services uh, for adults. So bring a lawn chair. Uh, and then the kids are going to be inside of the school because they have awesome spaces uh, for kids. And then we'll be back to three services as well. So you got to come 10 minutes earlier. So 9 o'clock, 10, 15, and uh, 11 30. And that all starts June 4th. And so we have one more Sunday in the building uh, next Sunday. Uh, and then we'll be outside, which is crazy. Uh, I do also want to mention to you, when we go to uh, North Point, we are in need of a number, in fact, many volunteers to help with setup or teardown. Uh, really, you'd be doing it just for a handful of times uh, throughout the summer. We're not asking you to uh, commit for the next decade to be on a church planting a setup team or anything like that. Uh, but we would love your help. This is uh, people who are going to uh, move stage pieces outside, set up speakers, set up the classrooms. We are going to be a portable church for three and a half months, working out of a trailer, all that kind of stuff. So we need help. We're not a cruise ship church, right? So this isn't just going to happen. Uh, we pick up an oar. We do this together. And actually, we need a number of different people on the team, but we do uh, specifically, we need a number of you who have some strength. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't have that. Some of you, I'm looking around. You got it? Use it for Jesus uh, this summer. We could, we could really use that. So even if you would sign up right now, uh, that would be a blessing to us. You can do it right in our church app or on your connection card. We even have a setup and tear down a table out in the lobby. You can ask questions. I know there are a ton of announcements. That's partly because we're moving a ton of people outside in like two weeks. But let me say one more thing uh, before we get into our passage. It's, a lot of you have talked to me about how you are pumped about outdoor services, but I know that some of you may be feeling unsure about it. And so if you are, I just want to remind you what church is in the Bible. Okay, church is a gathering of believers who come to learn about God and worship God. And that does not need to happen in a controlled, air-conditioned environment. Okay? Because if that's the definition of church, then we're going to rule out like 95% of the global church. Okay? That's not what church is. And some of you might even think it's crazy that I'm saying this, but some of you honestly need to hear this. Do not stop coming to church for the summer. Okay? Because church is not about convenience. It's not about comfort. Keep coming so you keep growing. If you say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do the outdoor thing. If you take the summer off, your heart will grow colder towards Jesus. That's just how relationships 
work. So keep coming. And for some of you, you're passionate, you know you're coming, but you thought in your head, I think I'm going to wait to invite friends or family until we're back in the building. I would just say to you, if you have a lost family member or friend, just keep inviting. It's not like the Holy Spirit's going, oh, and I really wanted to, to save your lost family member, but just like, oh, the lighting just isn't right outside. I just can't. I just can't. Right? That's not how God works, okay? And that's not what church is. Okay. All right, I got it out now. Let's get in the message. Everybody grab a Bible. There are Bibles under the chair in front of you, whether you brought your own. We'd love for you to look at the Word with your own eyes. Uh, Here, we're going to be on page 837 uh, in our Bibles. Uh, While you're uh, grabbing uh, your Bibles, I just want to say next week, uh, we'll actually have a one-week break in between series. So I'm just going to do a one-off message uh, from a a passage in the book of Romans. And also next week, we're going to announce... Uh, the Old Testament book, which one we're going to be teaching through all summer at uh, North Point. So that's going to be kind of fun. Okay, but here we are. We're at the end of this short letter of Jude, which we spent six amazing weeks on. And Jude, at the very end, takes kind of a surprising, encouraging turn. Because really up to this point, Jude has been a pretty fiery letter about the danger of false believers. But then he concludes with this beautiful, do you see a little heading above our passage, verse 24? A beautiful doxology. A doxology just means literally word of praise, or sometimes it's a short song of praise. So he concludes with this praise to God. Let's take a look at it. So just start right at that small 24. He says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. All right. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to focus on what I think are really two glorious truths uh, from this passage. And here is the first one. Number one, that he is able, that God is able, the word says, to keep you from stumbling. Now, this is a beautiful verse. It's quoted often, but often it's not quoted uh, in connection to its context. But you and I know, because we spent six weeks in Jude together, we know from context that Judas wrote this entire letter about the dangers of the slippery slope of false belief. And so when he writes, God is able to keep you from stumbling, he's thinking primarily that he's able to keep you from stumbling into false belief. And now, That also obviously includes sin because false belief leads to sin. But he's thinking about false belief here. And I would just say in this day and age where we're seeing many, unfortunately, fall away from the faith, Judas saying, God is able to keep you from that. He will protect you from that. Will you trust him for that? Will you rely on him? In fact, he is so able to keep you from that that it says he is able to keep you from stumbling. Now, if you'd never seen this verse before, you'd actually kind of probably would have guessed that he would say he's able to keep you from falling. But he says stumbling, which of course is a lesser form of falling, right? But why does he say that? Well, see, long before a Christian would ever fall away from the faith or into some sort of egregious public sin that might bring embarrassment or something like that, long before anything like that, there are a thousand little stumbles along the way, right? And the word is saying that God is able not only to keep you from falling, he's actually able to keep you from stumbling. In fact, that word keep 
It's in the original language in the Greek. It's 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 often most often used as a military term. So the word keep is right, but it has this connotation of guard. That's what it means when they use it in the military context. So God God is their sort of standing guard over you. I think of like some of you have kids and you've taught a kid how to ride a bike. So when you teach a kid how to ride a bike for the first time, you actually take the training wheels off. Most likely, they're not going to get it on the first time, right? Or the 10th. I know some of you got kids who got it. Good for you. You got great genes, right? But most kids, it's like 15 times out. And so as a parent, what are you doing? Because you don't want them to like fall and scrape up their face. You give them a little push, right? And you come behind. It looks super awkward. I'm going to do it right now. You come behind them like this. You're like, okay, good job, honey. Right? You just, it's like what you do when you teach them to ride a bike. That is the image here of you and your Christian life with your heavenly father. You are riding along in your life and God loves you so much that he is there right with you and he is able to keep you from stumbling. But I think our problem in the American church, especially in the thinking church like this one, is we go, oh, that's really nice. That's cute. Put that on a card. But the reality is I sin and I stumble all the time. So whatever. But what does the word of God say? It says he is able. He is able to keep you from stumbling. I mean, yeah, theologically, you're right. You're never going to be absolutely perfect. That's not what the word says. So yes, think rightly about your sin. But this verse is also saying that you need to think rightly about your God. And that he can defeat your sin. He is able. That sin that you keep falling into, he is able to keep you from stumbling. It's not lying. He is able to keep you from stumbling. Do you remember that that's who God is? Because I fear that many of us as Christians, that we've sort of resigned ourselves to sin. Right? Maybe you're the person who says, you know what, I'm just kind of a critical person. I'm judgmental. It's kind of my personality. I've kind of just always been that way. So it is what it is. Or maybe you're in this place. Sometimes I think we just get in these seasons where we just kind of let our sin slide for sometimes years just kind of becomes a part of us. And maybe you struggle with pride for a really long time. Maybe it's, maybe it is judgmentalism, right? Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's an addiction. And are you perhaps in a season where you've just even stopped trying to do anything about it? But I just, I want you to put your eyes on this biblical promise Your God is able to keep you from stumbling. He is right there with you, able to catch you on your ride. Remember who he is. He loves you so much, my friend. He was willing to die for you. And so he is willing to fight for you. I think sometimes we treat Jesus almost like he died for us and then he just went away. Right? But that's not true. He is here, and he is able to keep you from stumbling. And Christians, I just think, can we even fathom how many times has God probably caught us and kept us from stumbling, and we never even knew about it? Like the times where he kept us in our jobs, like something happened, we didn't even know about it, when honestly we should have been let go. Or the times where we were just on the bike ride of life, and honestly, in our sin, we were ready to veer off, stumble, I mean even fall, to the point where we would have thrown away our marriage 
maybe disintegrated our family bonds. And we were starting to tip, maybe even intentionally. And somehow, even unbeknownst to us, he caught us. I just think when we get to heaven and we see all of the different things that God saved us from that we never even knew about, we're just going to fall to our knees in praise because he is there. He is with you. Do you think of Jesus like that? That's who he is. That's what the word says. He can keep you from stumbling. In fact, he will do even more. I love Philippians 1.6. It says this. We'll put it on the screen. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So that, what that's saying is God loves you so much, he's going to keep you from stumbling, and he's going to finish his work in you. In John 10, uh, Jesus says this about you, Christians. And I want you to just hear this in your heart. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one. You're in his hand, okay? And he's saying, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Okay, so knowing that, let's go back to Jude 24 now. And I'm gonna show you the next part. Okay, got it? He says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault, and with great joy. Okay, I actually think this, the second half of this verse is one of the great truths of the Bible. And I don't think enough Christians actually meditate and think about this truth. But here's, here's point number two that I just want you so deeply to get, that he, God, is able not only to keep you from stumbling, but to present you without fault. So here's what Jude is saying. God's love for you is so great. He's going to keep you. He's going to guard you in your life. And then he's going to present you in heaven without fault. Now, technically, that means without blemish. It's kind of a reference. If you go back to the Old Testament in the days before Jesus, when they sinned, what they would do is they would go and offer a sacrifice for their sin, an animal sacrifice. And that animal had to be without blemish or defect. That just meant it, it, it had to be a perfect in a sense. Well, then when Jesus comes to earth, Jesus fulfills the sacrificial system because he is the perfect sacrifice. He is without blemish. He's without fault. He's without sin. And it's by his sacrifice on the cross that we can be forgiven. And so the great truth of the Bible is that, sure, you have sin all over you. We've all sinned. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that faith removes your sin and actually goes on to Jesus Christ. And he takes your sin. He takes the punishment for your sin. That's why he dies on the cross. And then in the most shocking trade of all of history, Right? Never has there been a more... We've had a lot of bad trades in Minnesota. This is the most shocking trade of all of history, okay? Jesus gets your sin, and what you get is to be clothed in his righteousness, the Bible says. So it's like, imagine Jesus has this clothing, and it's righteousness. He gets your sin, that goes on you. And that clothing signifies no fault. Like if you were to scan it, it would say, no fault. Perfect. That's what you get. That's amazing. So here's what Jude is saying. When you are presented in heaven, this is what Jesus can say to the Father. And I want you to listen carefully to this. And, and, and I want you to just open up your heart because I think there's probably a lot of you in this room that you know this, but you don't know this. So just want, please let this hit your heart. When Jesus presents you, he can say, Father, here they are. Here they are, my beloved, 
I died for them. I gave my life for them on the cross. Father, I have walked with them every day. I have guarded them. And Father, I want you to know I let nobody snatch them out of my hand. And so now I present them to you as perfect. Not because they lived a perfect life, but because of their faith. Look, they are clothed in my righteousness. And then what does Jude say? I actually think this is amazing. And I think hardly any of us understand this. What does it say in the passage? He says, presented before God's glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Jesus Christ is going to present you with great joy. Did you know that? Do you believe that? I actually think most of us don't even believe that. We don't think of it that way. Or maybe you're just in the spot right now where you're just, you're not thinking that way at all. When you think about how Jesus thinks of you, you're thinking, you know what, he's frustrated with me. Or maybe you're just in a bad spot in your faith lately. It happens, right? It's life. That's what life as a Christian is. You're just in a bad spot the last couple months. And when you think about how Jesus thinks of you, you're thinking, he's frustrated with me. He's mad at me. He's angry with me. And what happens is you're only thinking like he sees your sin, but remember he also sees you clothed in his righteousness. I want you to think of it this way. So I've officiated uh, a lot of weddings over the years, and one of my favorite parts of the wedding, especially now as a dad, is to watch the father of the bride walk her down the aisle and present her to the groom. And I just, I love to just look at his face, like the love in that moment that he has for his daughter and her beautiful white dress. And just how, how proud of her he is in that moment while he presents her. This is this beautiful picture. And yet, it actually is just a sliver of the even greater joy that Jesus Christ will feel in presenting you to the Father, right? That Jesus will say, Father, here they are. Look, Father, here they are. This is, this is them. This is, this is my beloved Father. I love them so much. Just look at them. Ah, I love them. Can you picture yourself here? He's going to say this. I love, I love. Father, you remember when they went to kindergarten? Man. Father, you remember when you remember when they were first learning to drive and they ran over the mailbox? <laughs> just a, oh, Father. Father, I just love them. You remember? You remember when they had all the little ones just snuggled up on the couch and they were teaching them your word, Father? Oh, Father, I just, I love them so much. And now I present them to you as Perfect because of my sacrifice. Welcome to my kingdom. That's who Jesus is. That's who he is. I don't deserve that. Okay, I don't. We don't deserve that. And then that's who he is. And so I want you to see this again. Now that you understand it, now that the word is coming alive, look at this doxology again. So verse 24. To him who is able. It's sort of like a toast, right? It's a praise to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, 
power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, What I want to do now is actually want to call our uh, baptismal team on stage as we are going to celebrate two baptisms at this service. We're actually baptizing eight people today uh, throughout the morning, which is amazing. Yes, please clap for that. Um, So baptisms are this visual reminder to us. It's a symbol that Jesus Christ has paid for our sins. He's washed our sins away. Because of our faith, we get clothed in that righteousness. Now, we always say every time, baptism is a symbol of that. So no one's actually getting saved or going to heaven today because they got baptized. It's a symbol of what happened when they made a decision to believe in Jesus. And you're going to get to hear about that today as we believe in testimonies. We love to tell stories of what God did, and we want to do that. Now, every person that you see baptized at our church is baptized by sponsors. Uh, these are people that typically have had an impact, a spiritual impact on their life, and it's a high honor uh, at our church, and we're so thankful uh, for these sponsors as well. And so uh, let's get started. All right, so I'm going to invite up Britt. Hi, everyone. I'm Britt. Um, these are my sponsors, my dear friend, Sarah, and my amazing small groups leader and friend, Jen. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. We went to church every single Sunday. We went to youth groups. On Wednesdays, we did Bible camps in the summer, um, and my dad was on the ministry team. On the outside, we looked like we were this perfect Christian family, um, but behind closed doors, we were anything but perfect. My dad was abusive throughout my childhood, and it wasn't until I was 16 that everything came out, and he was removed from the house. I truly thought that that was the end of a dark chapter in my life and that it would be a time for healing, but that's not what happened. Over the next few days, I received phone calls from extended family members informing me of their loyalty to my dad and their decision to cut me out of their life um, as a result of that. Not long after that, my pastor got in contact with my mom, and I will never forget what he said. He told her that there's no way my dad, this God-fearing teacher of Christ, could be doing what we'd accused him of doing. He said that we were liars, um, and that because of that, we were no longer welcome at our church. I was really hurt by that. I was very angry, and I felt like everybody had abandoned me. So it was that day um, that I decided I was never going to step foot into another church. And it wasn't that I stopped believing in God, or at least that's what I told myself. Um, It was that I stopped believing and trusting in people. Over the next few years, my life went into a dangerously rapid downward spiral. Well, 12 years later, I had my daughter, um, and things changed. I wasn't ready to get back to the church scene, but I knew that I'd be failing her if I didn't at least introduce her to the idea of Christ. So I stumbled across a um, faith-based daycare center, and it had one more spot open, and I thought it was perfect. She would learn about Jesus every day, and I wouldn't have to commit to sitting in church every Sunday. 
It's funny how God works, uh, because I had no doubt in my mind that this opportunity he had done for her, and it was solely for her. Little did I know that he had a bigger plan, and it was for me. Ended up becoming close friends with some of the daycare moms, and Sarah was one of them. And I remember one day standing in Sarah's kitchen, and the topic of church came up. I lied, and I told her that I'd been looking for a while, that I just couldn't find the right fit for me. So she told me about renovation and said that I should come check it out. I was very, very uncomfortable at the idea of going back to church after what had been 16 years at that point. But I figured that one time with a friend wouldn't be too terrible. So I went. And you know what? It was not terrible. (laughs) So I showed up the following week, and the week after that, and the week after that. And I think it was about five months after I'd started attending um, that I heard Jesus say, this is where you belong. And three years later, here I am. It was definitely a slow process, repairing my relationship with Jesus. It's not something that just happened overnight. Um, And honestly, I don't know that I ever had a true relationship with Jesus um, until about a year ago, he took down my walls um, and made me take a look at my life and see where I am now. Um, And he made me realize that through all of it, he had never abandoned me. He's never stopped fighting for me. This entire time, he's been standing right by me, just patiently waiting for me to see that. Um, Since that day, my life and my relationship with him has drastically changed. His unconditional, undeserved love is astonishing, and the abundance of joy, hope, grace, healing, and forgiveness with him in my life is beautifully overwhelming. So today, standing right here right now, um, I'm fully committing myself to him, expressing my love and my gratitude for him dying on the cross and saving my soul. Hello, my name is Melissa, and I'm up here today with Annie, um, who was the person I worked with in the discipleship program, and Marit, who is my small house group leader. So I'm here to tell my story. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin in a Lutheran family, and we went to church uh, very occasional when I was a young child, but we started going regularly when I was in middle school. I joined my peers late in preparation for the confirmation process, 
So I had some catching up to do, which meant there wasn't much time or space for questions. Um, And because I was told I had to get confirmed, it didn't seem to make much sense to ask questions anyway. Questioning authority was not exactly encouraged. After I was confirmed, my family stopped going to church, and that was kind of confusing. Eventually, I went to college, then moved to Minnesota to attend graduate school, and was primarily focused on my career, got married. Um, It wasn't until I had um, two pregnancy losses that my faith in God really started to crumble. Instead of turning to him, I questioned him and felt angry and hurt. And it was the farthest away from God that I ever felt. Um, I was not used to feeling so defeated by an obstacle. Eventually, I surrendered and Eventually, God sent me the best gift that I ever received, my son. That boy is now 12 years old, almost as tall as me, and wears bigger shoes than I do. (laughs) And he's been my biggest blessing. Um, After my marriage ended, I started to feel the pull back to God. I started taking steps to be closer to God and have a daily relationship with him. And I started reading the Bible with my son. Unfortunately, this got sidetracked by a new relationship, and that relationship created about a three-year detour. When that ended, my broken heart was cracked wide open. It was so open, I was finally able to let God in in a way I hadn't before. My aunt invited me to check out renovation in January of 2022. I'd been thinking about going um, since the church is about a block from our house, And I decided, why not? Um, I knew right away that day that I had found a church that I wanted to come back to. And about two or three services later, I was a person that raised my hand when Pastor David invited us um, to do so and um, was paired up with Annie in the discipleship program. I was a person that felt like I needed to take my time in that process, because I thought if I was really going to do this, I wanted it to be meaningful, and I wanted to understand this time around. And then over the summer, I studied, uh, last summer then, I attended church, and um, when the church studied the book of Joshua, there were many messages that really spoke to me. Be strong and courageous was something I needed to hear about at that point in my life. Then Pastor David talked about how to see God do amazing things and how to get over mental barriers, a.k.a. the wall, in order to grow in our faith. These messages are just some examples of how, for the first time in my life, I heard the word and was able to personally relate and connect with the messages. My life was changing for the better. I could finally see how the Bible could be used in my daily life as a guide. I took a class with Pastor Josh in the summer, which helped me understand how to better understand the Bible. And I came to realize that walking with Jesus doesn't just mean going to church on Sunday. It's so much more. In the past, this would have felt like too much or too hard. Now I see the value and the difference it's made in my life when my relationship with God comes first. And I'm excited to continue to grow in my faith here at Renovation. I just finished my first year with my house group and have been able to connect with some really amazing people. 
And I'm excited today to share this outward expression of my faith with all of you. Confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, ladies. I just I think it's so important that we we hear these stories. We hear the truth explained, the truth preached, but you just, you need to see the evidence of it, that God does this and he still does it today. And I, I just, I wonder, do some of you even feel stuck today, right? Maybe you're new to church. You know, you just heard stories of people coming back to church. Maybe that's you. Or, or, or maybe you've known Jesus, but you've never really known Jesus. Not, not the one that we're talking about today that we see in, in the Bible. Or maybe you just feel like God could never forgive you. You feel like you messed up, like really messed up. And why would God forgive you? And I am just telling you from God's word that he is able. And not only is he able to forgive you, he is willing to forgive you if you would just come to him. What you heard in those two stories, I want you to know that God wants to do that in your life. That he will forgive you, He will give you eternal life in heaven, not in hell. Because when you meet him someday, if you have faith in Jesus, you will be clothed in his righteousness. He will scan you and there will be no fault. No fault. He is willing to do that. And he can change your life. He is able. And so if you need, if you're just hearing it, and God has been speaking to your heart all morning long, and he is saying, it is time. It is time to surrender. It is time to let him save you. It is time to let him lead you. If that's you, I want you to give your life to Jesus today. Not tomorrow, today, okay? I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So let's just have everybody in the room, would you just close your eyes? Maybe even just bow your head. If God has just been talking to your heart this morning, and you need to, for the first time, say, it's me, God, I surrender. I truly believe you died for me, and I want you to save me and be my leader. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up wherever you are to say, God, it's me. I want this. Just raise it up. Say, God, forgive me. I want to trust you and believe in you. Anywhere in this room, anyone who just needs that forgiveness and salvation, would you just raise your hand up high so you can see it? I'll give you a few more seconds if that's you. All right. What we want to do, I was just ask that everybody could just stand. I don't see anyone in this particular service. But we just stand as we think about what God has done with these stories. As we think about who he is. As we think about how able he is. I want you, as we close out the service, I want you to just sing this part of the song one last time. But not just to sing the words, but to sing it from your heart. Let's sing. Here I am. You are. 
heart, God, that you would just have all of us, God. Lord, use us. Continue your work in us each and every day. We praise you for all just the lives changed and uh, just as we celebrate. Uh,